It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense. All in more or less plain English. Podcast number 796 for the 10th of June, 2022. This week, I'd like to tell you about a couple of thumb drives that belong, if not in your pocket, at least on the desk with your computer. In short circuits, we'll look at expanding one of those thumb drives I told you about to make it even more useful with utilities that are helpful when there's a problem with the computer or when you just need information about the computer. Bellarc Advisor, which is free for home use, is the equivalent of an annual physical exam, x-ray, CAT scan, and psychiatric evaluation for your computer. And 20 years ago, only on the website, in 2002, the electronics sector was being affected by overall economic problems, and Intel's sales were down significantly. When something goes wrong with your computer, you might wish you had quick access to some utility applications. But because something has gone wrong with your computer, you might not be able to get to them. That's just one reason for having a thumb drive with a selection of portable applications. This is different from the recovery bootable USB drive that I've described previously, but it's worth taking a look at that process again, too. Most backup applications offer to create a recovery disk or thumb drive for you. The illustrations you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website are from the AOMI Backupper Professional. Your backup application may be different, but the underlying concepts will be the same. A bootable thumb drive is the best choice, at least I think so. But most applications allow the user to create an ISO file that would then need to be burned to a DVD or just to burn a CD or DVD directly. If your preference is a thumb drive, plug it in, make sure it contains no files that you want to keep, and then start the backup program and find the option for creating recovery media, probably in a tools menu somewhere. You may have the option of creating a Linux recovery device or a Windows PE device. Most users should choose the Windows PE device and select an option to download the PE environment from the internet unless you already have a copy of the PE environment on your computer. A few minutes after you start the process, your bootable USB drive will be ready. This is a quick process. But if your backup application doesn't offer the ability to create a recovery disk, check out a disk partition tutorial or see some other instructional articles. There are links to both of those on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The recovery USB drive doesn't need to be very large because the files consume less than 700 megabytes of space. Once you've created your emergency boot disk, resist the temptation to use it as the target for installing portable utility apps. That's because the bootable USB drive has to be formatted as a file allocation 32 device, FAT32 in other words. Because of the limitations of FAT32, you'll want a disk formatted as Extended File Allocation Table or New Technology File System for your portable apps. Before I describe the second disk, let's think about how the emergency boot disk will be used. To use a recovery disk or thumb drive, you need to modify the computer's boot order so that the optical drive or thumb drive is queried first before the hard drive. That requires modifying the computer's CMOS settings. 
There are two options here. You can modify the settings now so that the computer always looks at the alternate devices first, or wait until there's a problem and then change the settings. Changing the settings now will make the boot process take longer because the bootloader will need to look at any attached USB devices to see if a bootable device is attached. That'll slow the startup process. Even if you don't make the changes now, it's a good idea to investigate how to get to the CMOS settings before you need to get to the CMOS settings. The recovery USB drive or disk is something you'll rarely need. With luck, you'll never need it. Think of it as an insurance policy. The portable applications drive is one that you might need to use frequently. A thumb drive with a lot of portable apps will be useful in cases such as these. For example, you need a utility application to diagnose a problem with the computer. Or a friend is having trouble with the computer and you're helping. Or the computer you're using has only Microsoft Edge, but you prefer Firefox. Or you're at a remote computer and want to access your email account without leaving any information on that computer. Or there are applications you use so infrequently that you really don't want to install them. Or your employer doesn't allow you to install applications on your work computer. Those are just a few of the cases that come to mind, and the solution is Portable Apps. This is a free application and service that offers more than 400 portable applications. An application is considered to be portable when it can be run as is without being installed. The applications range from accessibility and development tools to games and security functions. There are music and video players, office applications, photo viewers and editors, graphics applications, and design programs. If you install every single one, you'll need a thumb drive with more than 46 gigabytes of storage, still small by today's standards, and as we saw last week, even large thumb drives are inexpensive. You don't need to install everything, of course. There's an entire section of games. If you don't care about games, you obviously won't need those. Before going any further, I have to say that although the applications are free, you may see some suggestions to upgrade to paid versions of some applications when you use them. Many of the applications and suites offered by portable apps are free. OpenOffice and LibreOffice, for example. Others are free versions of commercial software that will suggest purchasing a paid version that has more features. SpyBot Search and Destroy is fully functional, but it will recommend that you pay for a version that includes real-time antivirus protection. But everything offered is legitimate and without cost. The first thing you need to do is install the Portable Apps application, and this is an easy process. After downloading the installer application, run it, you'll want to specify that you're creating a new installation. Later, you may want to use this again to update an existing installation. There are several options for where portable apps will be installed. These include using a portable device, of course, but you can also install on a local hard drive for the current user or for all users, or install it to a mobile location such as Google Drive. If you choose a portable device, the installer will suggest the USB drive it believes you want to use. Look carefully if you have more than one portable drive installed or if you have any USB drives attached. Make sure that the installer has selected the correct location. If you prefer to install elsewhere, use the custom location option. The installer will complete quickly. No portable apps are installed at that point. 
It's just the framework that holds whatever number of applications you want to install. Now, I use the term install here to indicate the inclusion of portable applications on the thumb drive. Normal applications are installed on a disk drive inside the computer. They may write entries to the registry and they store their data on the computer's hard drive. Portable apps are not installed on the computer's hard drive, write nothing to the registry, and store their data, if any, on the thumb drive. So when the installation process is complete, run Portable Apps. Choose the application that you'd like to install and click Next. Portable apps can automatically add many of the applications you select, but some will require input from the user, either permissions to set up the application or the location where it should be saved. If your list of preferred apps includes some of these, the installer will display a notification telling you to watch for alerts from the applications and approve them. I selected nearly 90 applications to include, and about a third of them required my approval during the process. Once you've created your thumb drive, using it is easy. To use an application on the thumb drive, plug the drive in, view it in a file explorer, and double-click start.exe. The portable apps icon will appear on the taskbar, and a menu with the applications you've selected will be shown in the lower right corner of the screen. To place applications you'll use most often at the top of the menu, scroll through the applications, right-click an application name, and select Favorite from the context menu. To use one of the applications, just click its name in the menu and it'll open. Consider this use case. Perhaps you're at a friend's house when you receive an urgent email on your phone. The message needs an immediate reply, but the reply will be complex, far more than a simple one-sentence response. You really wish you'd brought your computer, but it's at home. So you ask permission to use your friend's computer, insert your portable app's thumb drive that you've thought to carry along with you in your pocket, launch Thunderbird, collect your messages, compose a two-page response, and send it. The scenario does require a bit of preparation. After creating the portable app's thumb drive, you would open Thunderbird and set up your email account using the Internet Message Access Protocol. Using IMAP leaves all of your messages on the server, even if you prefer to use the older post office protocol on your primary computer. When you close Thunderbird at your friend's house and remove the portable app's thumb drive, you will have left no traces behind on the computer. None at all. The thumb drive can also contain a variety of security applications and diagnostic utilities. Portable apps users can create an account, but they don't have to. They can donate, but they don't have to. New functions are added to the portable apps application from time to time. New applications are added, and your installed applications are checked and updated whenever you open portable apps. You can get started by downloading portable apps from the website, and there is, of course, a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat.
in short circuits, after you've created a portable apps drive, you might think of some additional utilities you'd like to have constant access to. Presuming the thumb drive has sufficient free space, just copy those applications to the thumb drive. Instead of placing the extra apps in the root directory, I think it would be a good idea to create a directory called utilities or something like that, and then place the extra files there. Let's consider some that I consider useful. I really like to have access to the God Mode directory. It provides access to more than 200 Windows settings. I described how to create that directory in April, and you'll find a link to that process on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The Open Hardware Monitor tracks information about the computer's temperature, RAM, disk drives, and CPU status, and optionally can create a log file. That's a handy utility to have, particularly if you suspect an overheating problem. Your computer is a chatterbox. Internal applications talk with each other all the time, and they talk with remote servers. Hundreds of ports are open and may be sending or receiving data or just waiting for something to happen. Current ports will show you which ports are in use and what IP address they're associated with. It's one of many applications from near Sofer. You can scroll through the list of applications in the Freeware for Windows section of his site. And there's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Windows 11 Fixer is a utility I described a couple of weeks ago. It changes how the context menu works and offers a variety of other, primarily cosmetic, modifications. When you need to connect to somebody else's computer or allow someone to connect to your computer, Aero Admin is an excellent choice. I described Aero Admin in a May 2021 program. You'll find a link to that as well as the download link for Aero Admin. There's the Sys Internals suite from Microsoft. It includes 68 useful utilities, although most are intended to be used by system administrators and they're fairly complex. Several can be used by anyone who needs information about the system. Auto Runs, for example, shows which programs are configured to start up automatically when the system boots, and it examines all the registry and file locations where applications can configure auto start settings. Process Monitor shows all running processes, the process name, process ID number, operation, and more. And this is a utility that can also be used to kill a specific process. Agent Ransack is the application you need when you're looking for a file that's hiding from you. There's now a portable version at the bottom of the Downloads page for Agent Ransack. Download that file, run it, and specify that Agent Ransack should be installed in the Utilities directory of your thumb drive. And you may want a few other applications on the thumb drive, too, ones that have to be installed to be used. These are useful when you need to help a friend or a family member diagnose and fix a problem with their computer. The free version of AOMI's Partition Manager and Backupper applications are good to have on hand, and they offer all the basic functions needed for partition management and disk backup. Bellarc Advisor, which I'll tell you more about in just a little bit, is a free utility from Bellarc. It does have to be installed, and the free application is limited to personal use. I like to have CoreTemp around. It's a handy application that reports temperature information about the computer it's installed on. It does duplicate some of the features of Open Hardware Monitor. Those are just some of the extras to consider adding to your thumb drive. There are probably other small applications that you use, at least occasionally. If there's one you feel would be helpful when something has gone wrong, it belongs on that thumb drive.
Continuing the theme of utility programs on thumb drives, let's take a closer look at the Bellarc Advisor, which I just mentioned. It is designed for IT professionals in enterprise settings, but it's a gem for use at home, too. Because the advisor is intended for use in a corporate environment, along with Bellarc's enterprise computer management tools, not all of the information will be useful. Users will need to be cautious not to make unnecessary modifications, and I'll get to that in just a moment. First, though, consider the massive amount of information it reveals. After the user starts the advisor and grants administrator privileges, the analysis begins. A minute or two later, a summary page will appear on the default web browser. Information about the computer is actually stored in a local drive. You'll find it in the Program Files x86 directory in Bellarc, Bellarc Advisor, System Temp. None of the information is sent to Bellarc. It's all stored on your computer. The report includes a security benchmark score, information about virus protection, and an indication of whether security updates are current at the top of the report. Then there's detailed information about the operating system, computer make and model, processor data, and a list of physical and logical disk drives, including total capacity and remaining free space. User accounts and printers are listed, memory modules are identified and their locations are shown, multimedia devices are listed, as are Bluetooth, Ethernet, and Wi-Fi connections, all USB devices that have been connected to the computer in the past 30 days are listed, as are network devices, software names and versions are shown near the bottom of the list, and at the end of the page, all Windows hotfixes are shown. Many of the items in various parts of the report include links to additional details or explanatory notes. The Security Benchmark report gave my computer a rating of 3.97 of a possible 10 points. That seems disturbingly low, but that's because the application is designed for enterprise use. Consider just three of the failures shown in the operating system section of the report. Fail, it says, local volumes must be formatted using NTFS. That's the new technology file system. All of the drives connected to the computer are indeed NTFS volumes, but Google Drive creates a faux drive that's detected as a FAT32 volume. This is not a security concern for home-based computers. Fail, it says, accounts must be configured to require password expiration. Well, in a corporate environment, it is a good idea to force users to change their account passwords regularly. This is less important in a home environment, and I consider it not to be a security issue. And fail, it says, the Windows PowerShell 2.0 feature must be disabled on the system. PowerShell 2.0 is the old version of PowerShell, which is now at version 7. Although the danger is less in a home environment, PowerShell 2.0 should still be disabled. 10Forums explains how to do that, and you'll find a link to the 10Forums article on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The security benchmark summary included 10 major sections with a total of 209 individual tests. Most home computers will see several flags, probably lots of flags. But remember, these tests are intended for corporate environments. Take care not to make a change unless you know exactly why you're making the change. Each flagged item does have a link to a detailed explanation, and that can help users determine whether a change is needed. 
In 2002, Intel's sales were down and the economy was sagging. That's in 20 years ago, only on the website. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session. <music>